You're listening to the Connecticut Real Estate Edge Podcast, your source for tips and tricks on building wealth through real estate in Connecticut. You will get the best techniques from leading local experts in real estate and lending. Now, here's your host, Robert Weinberg. Good Saturday morning to everybody. Welcome to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge Podcast along with Rob Weinberg. I'm Gary Byron. Rob, good morning there. Good morning to you, Gary. Nice to see you. Good to see you once again. Are you, Always a pleasure. Are um are are you into the festive season? I, I it's know you, getting close. Do you celebrate Hanukkah and Christmas, or do you just, just Hanukkah, Hanukkah or or just Hanukkah? Just Hanukkah. You have I eight mean, days. I love the Christmas music. If you come in my office, I've got the Christmas music going pretty much from <laughs> the beginning of December until New Year's. I just I have it cranking. I love it. It's festive. Oh. It's positive, right? Mm-hmm. And I just like having that going all the time. And it reminds me that we're in a time of year that you got to be thankful, right? We're in a time of year you need to cherish what you do have. So much negativity, so much pessimism, so much bad things going on in the world right now, right? But during the holiday season, time to get with the ones that you love, spend time with the ones that you care about, that mean a lot to you. Forget about the bad things that are happening. It's true. You know, forget about the negativity that's out there. And- Really look forward to a positive future. Look forward to the new year. That's what I want to really tackle today because so many people in this time and in the end of the year in December, they always kind of go, oh, I didn't do this this year. I didn't do that. I'm going to get to it next year. (laughs) I had this goal. I wanted to buy a home. I wanted to get rid of my debt. I wanted to expand my real estate portfolio. I wanted to build my wealth. I didn't get to it or I didn't get to the level that I wanted to. So I found it personally motivating and really effective to step back for a minute when we have this little lull in December and get clear on your, you know, your motivations, get clear on what you're looking to accomplish because a goal without a plan really is nothing. It doesn't mean anything, right? So we need to figure out how to get there. So this is the right show for you. If you want to get control of your finances in 2023, if you want to get clear on what you need to do to reach your financial goals, Actually, in the timing of this show, you're right. Is is not much happening in real estate, as I think we mentioned last week's show. Uh, people have the it's in the back of their minds, but in the forefront of their minds. Look, it's it's giving, it's putting your money towards gifts and presents and office parties and and cooking and yada yada oh, yeah. yada and saying tabling everything until they get to the new year. So, um, why then? Why is why is proper financial planning for the new year? Why is it so important? Is it is it just to get all your ducks in a row or I mean or? everyone can just in their head go, "Okay, I want to, you know, be a millionaire next year, right?" <laughs> oh, yeah, I want to pay off all my debt next year. That's not financial goal setting, right? That's fantasizing. That's dreaming. I want to really take the goal and put a plan of action in play. So, financial Specifically, financial goals take planning. You don't wake up one day, unless you're a lottery winner, and have millions of dollars. You don't just wake up one day with no plan or foresight and be financially successful or have a big portfolio or become wealthy. This is something that, I mean, for me, I've been working at it since I was like 17, 18 years old. I was immediately like, okay, how do I get out of this middle class life and get to financial freedom, where I don't have to work for money, where I don't have to worry every day about money. So I've been personally planning in my head and 
putting it down on paper, as we'll talk about, you got to put a pen to paper because this takes a long time to do. It could take decades to get you from zero to seven figures. Some people do it overnight, but that's the exception. Some people do it in a couple years. That's the exception. We are normal. We are average. And we need to become better than that. We need to become and see ourselves in where we want to be. Slow and steady wins the race with finances because what I found is when you look at a get rich quick scheme, when you look at the investment like cryptocurrency or these other investments that are going to be like a hundred times your money in a year, the risk on those is extremely high and most of the time ends up in disappointment. So I found Avoid the shiny objects. Slow and steady really does win the race. And you want to reverse engineer your goals to achieve them more easily. So if you have one house and you want to get to five, how do we do that? What are the steps in the process? We have to reverse engineer it. If you have a million and you want to get to three million, how do we do that? Maybe you're sitting on $10,000 and you want to turn that 10,000 into a nest egg that you can use to buy your first home. Everyone's got these different goals. But if you don't have that roadmap, if you don't have that plan to get to achieving those, a year from now, you're going to be in the same spot and maybe even in a worse position, unfortunately, like many people I've talked to lately. You want to learn from the past to predict the future. So what I mean by that is look at last year. What goals did you have? How did you achieve them? Did you achieve them? Look at the last couple years. You know, when you look where you're at today financially with your mortgage, with your real estate, with your retirement, with your investments, are you where you want to be? Are you better? Are you worse? Are you just treading water, right? So learn from the past because if what you did last year didn't work, let's not do the same thing this year. Let's change it up. Let's learn from those that are more successful. We could do whole podcasts just about mm. goal setting, but this is about financial goals for the new year. So you really need to use that past to help set yourself up for success well, for the then, future. Then, then, so what are the main areas that we should be focusing on for personal financial success? So I'd say one of the biggest issues that people have when they're financially goal setting is they pick one area and that's all their effort goes to that area. So home buying is a great example. You're a first time home buyer. You don't own a home. You want to own a home. You see people that own homes. They're wealthier. They have more success. They feel more comfortable. They're able to do what they want with their home. They have more flexibility, right? You want to get there. But if that's all you focus on, you may neglect other areas that need to be focused on. So a lot of different areas here, really four main ones. Number one is cash flow. Debt is number two. Savings, number three. And investments or real estate, depending on the type of investments. That'd be number four. So cash flow, debt, savings, and investments. Now, let me break down and drill down on these so you know exactly what we're talking about. And everybody should have goals within these sub goals, right? So cash flow, what I'm talking about is money coming in every month. Is it a job? Is it, are you making enough? Do you have a side hustle? Can you start something? Should you be changing careers? Are you not where you want to be when it comes to your salary? Because the biggest weapon that you have when it comes to financial success and getting out of debt is your income every single month. So if your income is very low versus your expenses, no matter what you do, you may not be able to get ahead financially. It may be time to look at a career change. It might be time to look at a side hustle or side income, side business where you can bring in extra money to actually create what we're talking about here and become wealthy. Rental income from properties. Do you have a two-family house? Maybe you're renting out one, one uh, bedroom or maybe you're renting out an entire unit, bringing in rental income to help pay your mortgage. Some clients of mine have multiple rental properties. That's where they get all their income. We need to analyze your cash flow and really make sure that you have enough money coming in to pay your bills. Because if you don't, 
or if you're really tight, then all these other items we're going to discuss here for financial success, completely impossible. You're never going to be able to get there. You need that cash flow coming in. The next item is debt. Okay, so if you're someone that has no debt, then this is an area you can just check off. I'm good to go on debt. But for most people, they have credit cards, they have mortgages, they have student loans, auto loans. You want to really look at your debt as a whole, as a portfolio, just like you get a stock portfolio or a retirement portfolio. Look at everything that you have. Where are you at with it? What are the interest rates on your credit cards, your mortgages, your student loans, etc.? And the most important thing that you want to hone in on when it comes to the debt is Really two opportunities. Number one, is your cash flow high enough that you can actually pay off the debt? Send extra money into these, uh, to these debts and pay them to zero. Is that realistic? If it is, let's put a plan of doing it. What, what dollar goes where? If it's not realistic, then one of the next opportunities I look at is consolidation opportunities. We've done entire episodes about debt consolidation, about using equity to consolidate debt annual mortgage reviews. These are the things that you need to be doing around your debt to make sure you're in the best possible position. You may have right now an amazing opportunity to save $500,000. I've even had clients recently save $2,000 a month by consolidating their debt into their mortgage. Yes, rates have gone up. Yes, the economy is different. There's still great opportunities. You don't just want to sit there and go, oh, the rate's higher now. I'm not even going to look at that. You could be leaving thousands tens of thousands or more dollars on the table. So really analyze your debt. And if you're someone that only has a mortgage, get with your advisor. If you don't have one, I'll be your advisor. You can be an orphan and come to me and I will pick you up as a client and I will do an annual mortgage review with you to make sure you're in the best financial spot. Best case scenario, you are. Go on your way, continue on your path. Worst case scenario though, I may be able to uncover opportunities for you that could save you a ton of money in the near term, in the short term, as well as the long term. Next item, savings. We always want you to have an emergency fund, ideally six months. But that, for a lot of people, that can be tens of thousands of dollars. So where do you start with your savings? A $1,000 starter emergency fund. And I learned this. It's not someone I really love, Mr. Dave Ramsey, but he is someone that has some good savings principles. And he talks about starting a $1,000 starter emergency fund. Start there because most emergencies in the United States can be handled with less than $1,000. A lot of people use their credit cards in debt because they don't have that emergency fund. So after you have the $1,000 starter emergency fund, next thing is six months of expenses in an emergency fund. What I'm talking about is look at your mortgage, look at your credit card debt, look at your utility bills, look at your groceries, every single bill that you have that is every month coming in, take that sum and you want to multiply it by six months. That's really what you want to strive to have in your emergency fund because then if you lose your job, if you have a medical emergency, if something comes up and you need money, you've got it in the emergency fund. Then you don't have to turn to credit cards immediately. You don't have to think about where do I borrow the money? Who do I beg for it? And then, of course, in the context of this show is all about real estate, right? So that starter emergency fund and then upgrading to the six-month emergency fund, ultimately, that can be a future home purchase. When that six-month emergency fund becomes a 12-month emergency fund and you keep using these principles to build, next thing you know, you might have twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 more than you need in there, and you can use that to either buy your first home or buy additional rental properties. And the last goal we're talking about here is investments, real estate investments are the ones I focus on, but you can really look at your total portfolio. Look at your retirement fund, your 401k. How have your investments done in the last 12 months? What performed well? What didn't do so well? Many people right now are looking at their 401ks that are now 201ks. 
they'll be back. They will be. Do not sell. Okay, the only one that gets hurt on a roller coaster is the one that jumps off during it, right? <laughs> so do not sell your investments now, but look back and set that goal. This is actually one of the best times to be investing in your retirement funds, 401ks and whatnot, because the market's low now versus a year ago. You can get some bottom dollar deals on your investments right now that could come back and pay you multitudes over the next couple of years. Um, dollar cost averaging, putting in money a little bit a little bit at a time over a long period of time. Make sure that those are built into your financial plan. Do you have money? Every single paycheck automatically being siphoned off, going to your retirement, going to your savings, going to your investment account. Um, 529 contributions. You know, my daughter, she just turned two. I'm putting money in that 529 because there's a tax write-off associated with it. Believe it's up to $5,000 a year. Those are opportunities you need to look at right now because once that chapter turns to January 1st, 2023, those opportunities are gone. That's the thing. Yeah, but a lot of this is easier said than done, Rob. There are people who can't even, they don't have the discipline to even stick to a diet. Um, uh, You know, people have tried these goals and have failed and time and time again what about those who who have trouble sticking to a plan yeah i get it i do because i talk with people every day that call me and tell me about goals that they had a year ago two years ago five years ago and they're still not where they want to be so there's a couple things that you can do to ensure your success with goals i don't care what's happened in the past if you're listening to this show right now You're trying to propel yourself forward with your finances, right? So use this as an opportunity for yourself to kind of revamp how you look at your goal setting and how you actually hold yourself accountable. The first thing is writing down your goals. Now, I don't have the statistic in front of me, but what I do know is that people that write down their goals have a multitude higher of achieving them than those that don't write them down. That may sound stupid. But it's true. They've done studies of like tens of thousands of people with goal setting and those that write down their goals are much closer just by that one action. So if you do one thing and you take one thing away from today's show, write down those goals, write down those financial resolutions that you have. And then you'll have that to be looking back at every single day. Read those goals. That'll help. The next thing is and probably the biggest thing is getting an accountability partner. So this is somebody that can help hold you accountable to the goals, right? You need to have somebody that's going to help you. It might be a spouse. It might be a pastor. It might be a rabbi. It might be a friend. Just find someone to help hold you accountable. Now, one thing that I do is it's not what I expected, but I've ended up being an accountability partner to most of my clients. And the way that we do that is we do these annual reviews. We do these semi-annual reviews. So I'm like a sounding board for my clients when it comes to reaching these financial goals because I have everything in a very detailed and organized uh, contact management system. So if a client tells me, Rob, I've got 5000 in credit card debt. I want to pay it off six months from now. I can make note of that in their file and I can follow up with them in six months or I can follow up in three months and say, hey, Joe, you told me you want to pay off your debt. You should be about halfway there. It's been three months. Where are you at? And just knowing that somebody is holding you accountable, just knowing that I'm going to be calling or texting or emailing them to ask them, how's that going, can be enough to give them that motivation to actually move forward. Because it's not just a sunken dream that nobody cares about, but you could apply that to, again, anybody, a friend, a family member, whoever, some sort of trusted advisor that you can communicate your goals to that can then check in on you and make sure 
that you're achieving them. And if you're not, why aren't you? And how can we get you back on track? So that's accountability partner. The last thing I'll say on those who have trouble sticking to their goals and how to really get past that is using your wealth team as a resource. We've talked about having a wealth team, which is a group of people that are professionals, that are your advisors when it comes to your mortgage, your real estate purchases, your legal issues, your tax items, and your investments like a financial advisor. This wealth team, you may only have one or two, or maybe you have all the members. They should all know about these financial goals. They should all know what you're looking to do in the new year. Have them help keep you accountable. If it's your goal to purchase a home in the new year, let your real estate advisor know that now. Let your mortgage advisor know now so we can get you prepared and then we can help hold you accountable to that goal that you wanted to achieve. Things are going to happen. Things will go off the tracks here and there, but it's not about that. It's about how you get back on and how you can sit, uh, how you continue down that clear path. So let's say someone's a year, maybe even two years away uh, from purchasing a home. Yep. Okay. Are there steps that they can be more proactive about right now to help them achieve their goal a year or yeah. two down the road? Yeah. And, and this is so common right now because when we talk about New Year's resolutions and financial resolutions, one of the main things, especially for younger folks, is I want to buy a home. I want to be a homeowner. I've seen others do it. It's something that I want to achieve. And just saying you want to buy a home is not like buying a, a pack of gum off of Amazon or from the gas station. Like there's more to it than that. There's a lot of different steps. So a lot of people get just tied up in like, what do I need to do first when it comes to buying a home? So I want to give you that clear path here. The first thing you should do before you go on Zillow, before you even talk to your realtor necessarily is get with the mortgage advisor first. Get with the mortgage advisor early to see where you're at and get that game plan together. You may find that you're a lot further along than you thought you were, and you might be able to buy a home sooner than you thought. On the other hand, a lot of people come to me thinking that they're ready to buy in two, three, five, six, twelve 12 months, and we look and see, wait a second, you don't have enough money saved up yet to even pay for closing costs, let alone for a down payment. You need that direction to know. The next thing is your credit. If we look at your credit and you got a lot of work to do, that's not happening in 30 days. That could take several months, six months, 12 months. It can be a little bit sooner depending, but credit isn't something that updates overnight like we've talked about substantially here on the show. So you want to do it early. You want to understand what your options are as soon as possible. And if you're in a good spot, then check that off the list. But if you're not, you can get that plan together. Once you have that meeting with the mortgage advisor and you understand your credit building and savings goals, start now, you know, just don't wait six months. Don't wait three months. Start now to get that in play and don't make the mistake. There's a huge mistake people make is I want to buy a house. Let me go online. So they go on to Zillow or Realtor or Google and just put in like buy a home in Hartford, Connecticut. And then they get these dreams, right? These grandiose dreams of what it could look like to own a home that's exactly in the neighborhood they want. It's got all the amenities that they want. But you look at the price and the price is way above your means. You don't know that though, as a first time home buyer or even a move up buyer, you may not know what your price range is if you haven't consulted that advisor. So what I see happen a lot of the time is that people will go and see a home and they're like, I want this home. It's 350. This is my dream home. But then you get with an advisor and it's like, no, you're only pre-approved for 250. And now your dreams are dashed. <laughs> right now I've been spending weeks looking at these homes in this price range. And I have seen so many people completely just 
get rid of their goal at that point. Oh, I can't afford that. I don't want to even buy a home then because, and that is a really close minded way to look at it. That's honestly, that's a poverty mentality right there. You need to understand moving up. You need to understand abundance. Not everyone starts with a half a million dollar home. My first home was $205,000. First home I bought. Okay. Now that home is worth over $400,000 because I've held on to it. But there were homes at that time when I bought my first that were four or 500. Sure, I would have loved to live in those. It wasn't realistic, it wasn't within my means. Understand that a home, you can move up over the years. You can build a portfolio. So don't get online and start with this dreaming. <laughs> get real, get under, you know, understand what's realistic for you in your situation and then get online, then talk to the realtor, then do all that. So there may be programs available right now that could help bridge the gap for you between where you're at today and where you need to be. I'm talking about like down payment assistance programs that are available. There's some very low down payment options available as little as 3%, 3.5% or zero down if you're an eligible veteran. Okay. So you may not even know about those programs. A lot of people don't know about that. And until you talk to an advisor and show them what you have and what your goals are, we can't design this strategy. I've had people call me that thought they're a year out from buying a home and we look at the numbers and they're actually only a month or two away from buying a home. Okay. Mm -hmm. That is a great scenario to be in, especially going into the new year Mm -hmm. to get these goals in play and really hit the ground running. Folks, you're listening to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge Podcast along with Rob Weinberg. I'm Gary Byron. You can check him out online at robgw.com and write this phone number down, 860-413-3938 to uh, make your appointment with Rob. And by the way, I'll give you those, uh, Points of contact uh, in a little bit as we when we wrap the show up. Yeah, you talk about New Year's resolutions, Rob. It makes a lot of sense. I mean, uh, but but can these ideas that you're mentioning can they all be used in creating New Year's resolutions? Or? Yeah, they definitely can. And I don't know the percentage, but I know that a large majority of resolutions are financial. I think the top ones are like health related, you know, go to the gym and eat better and all that. Right, right, right. Then you've got finances. Where do you want to be financially a year from now? Do you want to be in a nicer home? How much money do you want to have in your savings account? What should you have in your investment account? So definitely these can be big motives for resolutions. What I think that you'll find is when you look at the different items we discussed, cash flow, debt, savings, and investments, when you look at those four areas, Everyone's going to be in a different position. And you may look at that and two of those items like cash flow, you're good. You got a great job, plenty of money coming in and savings. You have a six month emergency fund. So you're good there. But then you're struggling with credit card debt and you want to buy another property. So what I want you to do is pick the one or two, maybe three, but we don't want to go overboard. So pick the items that are the real ones that have to be worked on, the ones that you really want to take control over and get really focused, get really clear on those items and what you can do to get where you want to go. Like I said earlier, reverse engineer with the result in mind. If you want to get to a $25,000 savings account, it starts with $1. What do you need to put in every month, every week, even as every day, to get you to that goal. Then you can hold yourself accountable to say, hey, I told myself I was going to get to that. It was going to be $25 a day or $100 a week or $1,000 a month or whatever it is. And then every you can hold yourself accountable every day, every week, every month to say, hey, am I at that goal or not? And if I'm not, you know why. It's on you for that. It definitely is. So, all right. <laughs> 
I mean, it takes discipline. It takes a positive attitude, though, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and you look at a positive attitude and a personal attitude. How, how does that, though, shape our ability to succeed in our financial goals? Attitude is everything. And that was a quote that was taught to me by one of my early mentors named Jim McCune. And Jim is a multimillionaire, very, very uh, good businessman and marketer. And Jim used to, he actually had it written. He had it embroidered onto every one of his shirts. It said <laughs> attitude is everything on every one of his shirts. So I truly believe attitude is everything. I've really focused on controlling my attitude as much as I could. That's one of the reasons, one of the only reasons I've really been able to persevere is because having that positive attitude is huge. I think what I've realized is that you need to be ready for setbacks. So for some reason, and I think even the youngest generation has this mentality that like we live in a perfect world because if you go on social media if you go on anywhere everyone is like i'm vacationing i'm on a yacht i've got a lamborghini i've got this i have this huge mansion that's just a facade that's not real life bad things happen every single day and i think people know that right now more than ever so you need to expect setbacks you need to be ready for setbacks you need to know that they're going to occur so when they do it's just like brush your shoulders off, move on. Like it's part of it. You got to have a positive attitude and have a sounding board to help you stay on track. So the sounding board can be these accountability partners that when things go haywire, when things fall off the tracks, who can you call? Who can you communicate with that can help bring you back down, help ground you to say, hey, wait a second. This was your goal. This is just a minor setback. You can still get to where you want to be financially. And here's how you're going to get there. So that's another place that the accountability can really help. Now, the other thing that I want to talk about is starting or stopping before you start. So if you look at a financial goal and it's too hard, if it's too big and you can't get there, you're going to stop before you even start it. So that's why I really recommend, as we talked about, doing the reverse engineering of this stuff and breaking down a financial goal into bite-sized pieces. So that could be like a weekly, a monthly, or a daily goal of what you need to do to get where you want to go. Because if you do that, it's just like they say, eating an elephant one bite at a time, hitting a huge financial goal one day at a time. So really break that down for yourself and take that in bite-sized pieces, and you'll really find yourself personally motivated to continue on. All right. One last question for you. We're running out of time here quickly. What about shifting? Could you shift or even change your goals throughout the year? I mean, is there any flexibility allowed for that? Yeah, there is because there's going to be changes. I think there's flexibility within reason. What we really have to look at is like, If you lose your job or you switch jobs, you may have a change in cash flow. We can't keep saving what we were saving before. Maybe now we can do more, right? Mm -hmm. Let's up the ante. Or, God forbid, you have a medical emergency, something comes up. Maybe you have to put a goal on pause for a few weeks, a few months. That's okay, but you have to pick it back up. That's the most important thing. Unexpected expenses are huge, and that's one reason why a lot of people get derailed is a big expense comes up, they have to like raid their savings or do something like that, and they just feel defeated, so they walk away. No, pick up where you left off, continue building that, and just don't let an unexpected expense or an unexpected change in your financial situation completely derail you. It doesn't have to. It just may take a little bit longer. All right. Great advice. As always, if you'd like more information on this topic or any others that we discuss on this show, uh, check uh, Rob out online at uh, robgw.com. 
Uh, you can also email the show. Maybe we can get your question answered right here on these very airwaves as soon as next week. It's Mortgage Matters Radio Show at gmail.com. And the phone number, write this down. You know you want to call Rob. I would say make it a priority this upcoming week. 860-413-3938. One more time. You ready? 860-413-3938. For Rob Weinberg, I'm Gary Byron. Thank you so much for listening to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Age Podcast. Until next Saturday, have a good one, everybody. So long. Thanks for listening. If you have questions about the information we've covered or would like to discuss mortgage financing for your situation, you can reach Robert Weinberg by visiting www.robgw.com.